Danish and you're listening to Now We're Talking. This is a podcast about communication skills and I'm a professor of communication studies at the University of Waterloo and um, we've had a bit of a hiatus so we're back and uh, I've got four episodes coming up with, uh, that are all about writing. So um, I've invited my students back to join me to talk about four important practices to keep in mind when crafting any kind of written uh, written piece of work. So uh, today I have with me one of my students named Kiana, and she's going to be talking with us about planting objections in your writing and how that can increase the persuasiveness of a piece of writing. So welcome, Kiana. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good, thanks. Um, yeah, so we've been talking a lot about, you know, different writing techniques and how to overall just sound more persuasive in your writing. Um, so essentially with counterclaims, or planting objections means to insert counterclaims into your writing. Uh, so counterclaims essentially are just a way of demonstrating to your reader that you've considered all the things that might discredit the original claim that you're making, and then you build up your claim again with all those things in mind. Um, it's persuasive to write like this because you're eliminating concern or worry with your reader, um, and you'll be seen as a more reliable and credible writer. Um, so when writing persuasively, you, you're presenting a claim, and then you're backing up that claim with evidence and support. But to strengthen your claim even further, you can strategically plant uh, counterclaims or objections. So we talk a lot in class, or I talk a lot, and I may mention it in this podcast, about uh, describing what you're doing in any communication scenario as making a claim. And a lot of kids in high school or in some place along the line learn that they, they're writing a thesis statement. And I don't particularly like the word thesis statement because it's too scientific. Um, in my classes, we use the word claim because a claim is literally an invitation to a response. You're making a claim on an audience, so you're expecting that audience to respond. So when you start conceptualizing the writing process as requiring a response from, or asking for a response from an audience, then you start to see the importance of introducing the objections that the audience might have into the writing process. Right, so uh, one of the important things about your audience is you have to remember that you're not writing to a blank audience. They're always going to be reading um, what you've written, going into it with thoughts and opinions, even if they're not fully developed or strong thoughts and opinions on the particular claim you're making, they still have them. Um, so what that means when you're writing is you're trying to form a relationship with your reader um, and you want to consider the things that like what my reader might already know um, and how I can appeal to them to agree with me. Um, and so to build that relationship, you're demonstrating um, something about your reader that you care about their thoughts and opinions, um, but also strengthening your claim as well. Yeah, I want to stop there for one second because this is so important. In nearly every episode of this podcast, I talk about communication um, not as transmission. And when we talk about it not as transmission, when we talk about the effects that we have on audiences, we're talking about that because communication is about coming into relationship with someone else. And writing is no different. Even though the, the, the audience might not be immediately present, you still have to conceptualize the writing process as a process of coming into relationship with an audience. So this is why including the objections are so important, because it's a way of coming into relationship with your audience and not just transmitting some information from you to that audience. Right. So when we think of counterclaims, um, it might seem a little counterintuitive almost, the fact that you're stating a claim and then you yourself are going to sort of refute it. Um, but 
you want to still make your claim valid in the end. So when you use the counterclaim, uh, regardless of the counterclaim, you really want to use that, keeping it in mind to build up your claim again, keeping the counterclaims in mind while you're rebuilding your claim. Um, so it's almost like being a know-it-all, but in a persuasive way. Uh, it's like saying to your reader, yeah, yeah, like I know what you're thinking, but I'm still right, um, except with a lot more detail and a lot less arrogance. Um, so an example, um, one that I was thinking of myself just because I've been in this situation so many times, but back when I was 16, let's imagine, I'm texting my mom, um, and I'm specifically referring to texting because I've had difficulty planting objections in face-to-face -face interactions, um, which I'll also adjust later. But for now, I'm texting my mom, I'm 16, and I say, hey mom, can I have permission to borrow your car this weekend? I know I recently got my license, but my brother will be with me to make sure I'm doing okay. Um, and so my brother in this case is an experienced driver. So in this example, um, I'm claiming to be responsible enough to borrow the car and the claim is, I'm essentially making is that I'm asking if I can use the car for the weekend. Um, you have to know your audience in this case, right? So in this case, I'm talking to my mom specifically. So rather than stating the claim, I'm going to be asking her permission. So, you know, stating that I would like to borrow the car. And then I plant the objection. Um, so I know she's most concerned with the fact that I'm 16, I'm new, I'm inexperienced. Uh, so the objection recognizes that position, and then I build my claim back up by explaining how I plan to address her objections. So already by including the part about my brother, you relieve a bit of the tension and in her inclination to say no right away. Um, and one of her reasons to say no has been attacked, so she'll have to reconsider. Um, in saying that, though, the claim, the counterclaim doesn't really mean anything unless it's honest and serious. Um, so my mom is really hard to persuade. I've spent many years, you know, trying to persuade her, um, presenting my claims to her in the most appealing and persuasive ways. I'm not always successful, uh, but I think that that's because I needed to work on how I'm using my counterclaims. So if I were asking my mom to borrow the car without using serious and, honor counter, um, and honest counterclaims, it might sound like, hey mom, can I have permission to borrow your car this weekend? I'm a really safe driver and I'll call you when I get there. That sounds like mediocre at best, I think. Um, it really hasn't considered my mom's honest concerns about me being a driver. I mean, I should always be driving safely. If I say I'm a really safe driver, that's not really solidifying uh, the fact that I am. And what she wants to hear um, is exactly how I intend to be a safe driver, not just the fact that I'm going to be safe. Um, so in this example, I haven't even really planted an objection. And so what I would like to do in this sort of writing when I am trying to be a little more persuasive is I take a look at the claim that I've made and then I think of um, why I stated those claims in the first place and then I rewrite them. So the first sentence I'm asking permission, mom, can I please borrow the car? The next sentence I make two claims. The first one that I'm a safe driver and the second one that I will call when I get where I'm going. Uh, for me to try and work in an objection in this case, um, I would have to consider why I would appeal to my mom by saying I'm a safe driver or that I'll check in. Uh, so for her, she would find this appealing because I'm a new driver and she's worried about my inexperience um, in terms of my safety. So before I go and uh, tell my mom how I will address her concerns, I want to clearly and honestly articulate what her concerns actually are. Um, even for myself, if I can clearly articulate what her concerns are, what her counterclaims or her objections would be, then I can more thoroughly prepare myself uh, to defend my own claim against them. Let's let's pause with this example and introduce a couple others. Um, so I don't think Kiana should be too hard on herself not being familiar or this not coming easily to her. It doesn't come easily to lots and lots of people. So lately 
uh, I watch too much CNN and feel bad about the world. And uh, recently, we were, I was watching just last night, and they had um, Mitch McConnell's former chief of staff on CNN. And he was explaining uh, the Republican position on immigration. And he said this, this is practically a direct quote, the Democrats just want to let everyone in. All the illegal immigrants, want they just want to let them all in. This is obviously not the position articulated by any Democrat anywhere ever. So there is no honest articulation of the opposing position, that a wall on the southern border would be wasteful, that there's actually a net loss of Mexican citizens. You know, for your, more people are moving back to Mexico than into the United States from Mexico. Uh, you know, it doesn't take at all seriously the, the substance of the arguments on the other side. And this is what's essentially ruining public discourse in the United States right now. Um, there's no substantive argument being made on either side, and neither party is willing to honestly articulate the opposing position and then uh, have a response to that opposing position. They just state these ridiculous ideas or ridiculous claims that have nothing to do with the authentic positions. So um, if you look around in our culture, you'll see uh, endless examples of people, people misstating the opposing position or ignoring the opposing position um, and not treating it honestly or directly. And they, frankly, the, you know, the Republicans will never persuade a certain portion of the population if they're not interested in any way, uh, because they're not authentically meeting those honest objections or honest, uh, or honest counterclaims. So uh, Kiana's example can move really, really quickly into all sorts of other examples. And it could be really problematic if you're not willing to treat your mother or your father or the Democratic Party or the Liberal Party in Canada or the Conservative Party or, or whoever by honestly um, giving space to their counterclient claims to be articulated uh, in a substantive way. So how do you change? So what did you say then? So essentially for this, it's all about writing and rewriting, which is another one of your the writing you know, tips and communication is always writing and rewriting. So when you look at your claims and all the counterclaims that you've laid down, it's important to read them and reread them because you won't realize what is a strong or honest counterclaim until you've done that, until you've reread them and reconsidered. Um, because again, you are sort of refuting your own original claim. It'll take some time to construct a counterclaim that's really honest and thoughtful to the opposing. Um, side. So for, you know, asking my mom to borrow the car, I might say something more like, hey mom, can I please have permission to borrow your car this weekend? Being a new driver means I'll need to take extra precautions, so I've asked my brother along to make sure I'm doing okay. Um, so for this, planting the objection would be the uh, being new means I need to be more careful, um, and then followed by how I intend to satisfy the objection. So my brother will be with me. I won't take any highways. These are the kind of things that my mom wants to hear in response to her counterclaims. Um, so to more seriously consider the other position um, just means to better prepare and defend your own position. I'd add to that too that uh, we we enhance the quality of the articulation of the counterclaim when we actually employ or use the vocabulary that we're likely to that our audience is likely to use. So if Kiana's mom is thinking in her head oh, she's a new driver, and the word is new, um, then her, uh, Kiana using the word new in response anticipates her kind of word choice about, or her kind of linguistic description of the scenario, 
and lets your audience know that you are thinking in their terms, literally in their terms, because you figured the problem with the same vocabulary that that person or your audience is figuring the problem. Exactly. Um, so for that, I kind of just think back, like if you've ever read something to, and you just thought to yourself, like, wow, that was a really weak argument. They had no supporting evidence and they didn't consider this, this or this. That's essentially what we're trying to avoid with planning the objections. So it's your chance to tell the reader, um, you know, I've considered this, this and this, and I know what I'm talking about, um, which is where that honest and thoughtfulness comes into your counterclaims is that I know what I'm talking about. If you present your counterclaim in a way that isn't fully articulated or fully developed, then it also just sounds like you don't really know what you're talking about. Yeah, and let's remember, let's call back to the idea that you're you're coming into relationship with the audience you're writing for here. So, and you're always doing that in communication, but if you're not thoughtful or you're not taking the counterclaim seriously or being honest about what it is, then you are essentially being disrespectful or hostile to your audience, and your audience will know that. So if Kiana said to her mom, you know, let me take the car... I'm an excellent driver. I've got lots of experience. And she knows that her mother's thinking, well, you know, Keanu doesn't have a lot of experience. I'm not sure how good of a driver she is yet. That kind of dismissal of the counter position, or at least articulating the counter position in such a, um, uh, a, a, in a way that's really lacking any kind of authentic representation of what the audience might be thinking, uh, enters you into a relationship with that audience of, I would call it hostility or disrespect or difference, or it would it creates a kind of oppositional relationship between you and that other party. And in this case, I don't see any reason why Kiana's mom would say yes if Kiana is entering into an oppositional relationship with her. The same goes in, in politics. You know, we wonder why we have increasing polarization. It's because both sides of uh, an argument caricature make caricatures of the other side and they don't authentically engage with the substance of the positions being advanced uh, when they do that they come into relationship with their opponents in kind of hostile or, or negative or oppositional ways and being sincere or being honest and being thoughtful by planting objections is a way of avoiding that is a way of kind of trying to find some middle ground and trying to find some mutual understanding between you and, and your audience and so planning those objections, it's almost like taking a know-it-all stance when you're writing, um, sort of just saying, like, I've considered all the other options, and this is still why my argument should be considered. Um, so I was emphasizing the fact that I texted my mom previously and why you need to be kind of careful when using um, objections in face-to-face -face conversations is for all the reasons that you were just explaining. Um, so, you know, it can be alienating or uh, make people defensive. Um, which is why I think it works better in writing than maybe in face-to-face -face communication, um, because you have that opportunity to um, really articulate the other side. So if I was saying something like this to my mom in a face-to-face -face moment rather than texting, it might feel kind of presumptuous and feel more like I'm talking to her rather than with her or even asking her permission. Um, so I had to ask in class the other day about whether or not this really works in a face-to-face -face circumstance because I've tried to use it so many times and it just hasn't worked out. Um, so, you know, when you're sort of losing a conversation and there may not have been anything inherently competitive about the conversation, but somehow you feel like you're losing and need to defend yourself. Um, so this was like kind of a defense mechanism for myself in those moments where I'm kind of like, yeah, I know you're thinking this, but that's not the case. And it just sort of blows up in my face. Um, so I think planning objections is a little more formal and less conversational, just in the sense that it doesn't work unless you can fully elaborate and articulate the counterclaim you're presenting.
if you simply speak on the counterclaim in a non-serious way and brush it off, you're making it seem irrelevant. Um, and then you're going to completely lose your audience. Yeah, I think that, um, so I, I think we should remember that in, in classical Athens, the uh, ancient teachers of rhetoric included refutation as a part of public speaking also. Uh, so you had to articulate your the counterpositions in a big public address, just like I'm kind of suggesting you do in writing. I think in both those scenarios, what's happening is that you have an audience that might not be present or might not be able to respond in a kind of dialogic fashion in that moment. So unlike an interpersonal, live, kind of embodied uh, conversation, you can't, it, it's a bit presumptuous to state your conversational partner's position for them when you could just as easily allow them to state it themselves in, as part of the conversation. But in, in writing sometimes, or in public speaking sometimes, the audience does not have the, is not present or is not, it's not a dialogic enough encounter for them to articulate that opposing position. So you're imitating or mimicking some of the components of dialogic interaction in writing or in public speaking to capture the affective feeling that your audience is in, is closely connected to you. You do really understand that audience. You. Um, have not kind of dismissed them, they're present for you. You kind of make all that clear uh, by planting these objections in a way that it, wouldn't, it would be a little bit awkward if it was an interpersonal interaction. So yeah, for, for um, planting objections, just overall, you want to remember that you're using this in order to be persuasive um, and that you're never writing to a blank audience. Um, honest and serious writing means honest and serious counterclaims. And um, be, for, be careful when using this in face-to-face uh, -face, uh, com communication or conversations. Great. So thanks, Kiana. We'll be back with a couple more episodes on writing also. Uh, until then, I hope everyone has a good week. Thanks. Bye. Bye.